Welcome to our Bible study for September 1. We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. In the English Standard Version I'm using, the heading above the paragraph is Qualifications for Overseers. There are several terms in the New Testament referring to the same function. Overseers, bishops, elders, shepherds, and pastors. Recognizing men to serve as elders must never become a popularity contest or a random selection, but always the members recognizing the men who have these qualifications. We're going to study from 1 Timothy chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, apt to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Here's where I want to begin, please. A warning and what I'm going to call a perspective. The warning is, while it is true that each individual qualification is a part of the whole, if we become too focused on one or two of these, we can soon lose our balance. So let's guard against that. The better perspective is, these are parts of a whole. Parts of a whole description of character that is consistent with spiritual leadership. Here's what can happen if we are not well disciplined in our thinking and our study and our expressions when we talk about this. We can get so involved and passionate about one or two of these, we slight the others and then we develop a dogma or a militance that results in losing our balance concerning the whole. A better approach is to consider each individual qualification to be part of a whole. And the whole is character that is consistent with good leadership in the local church. You see that. When we come to a passage like this, 
This is not the time to talk about specific men or churches or hypotheticals that may suggest or imply something critical of some person or some church. We must not get all wrapped up in that. Whatever might be appropriate in some other venue, this is a Bible class where we focus on the text of Scripture. And when I do the Zoom follow-up, I'm going to follow this rule. We're going to focus on the text of Scripture, not hypotheticals and not individual people. My approach is not to dissect each word and phrase as if they are separate, but to define these as parts of a whole. And remember, the whole is character that is consistent with good spiritual leadership in the local church. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. We must be very clear and guarded anytime we talk about aspirations or ambitions in the kingdom. There must not be any dimension of carnal competition among God's people. The local church is not like the secular business that you find in the world where people compete and maneuver and position themselves for advancing to the top or being better than others in some boastful way. None of that, none of that should be in any of our thinking about the local church and about elders or evangelists. But preparing yourself for good work is always acceptable and valuable in the sight of God. I think this verse, the opening verse, implies young men should read and study this passage. And in all their building of knowledge and character, aspire to be used by God in noble undertakings such as the one described here. You don't thrust yourself into leadership. You don't use common political influence to get there. You don't maneuver or demand or campaign. Whether you ever serve as an elder or not, men should develop the kind of character reflected in these qualifications. And indeed, the majority of these qualifications are essential for every disciple of Christ, male or female. Now, I'm going to take up each one, but remember these are parts of a whole, and the whole is character consistent with good spiritual leadership. I'm not going to let us create a dogma about one of them separated from the whole. We're going to look at the whole, but that means we look at these individual phrases that constitute the whole. Above reproach is not a description of absolute perfection. Rather, a man who has no pending unresolved accusations about which evidence has been offered. The husband of one wife is simply a phrase identifying a man whose marriage is in keeping with God's law 
of marriage. He doesn't violate God's law in his marriage, in his relationship. God has one law of marriage for all. The husband of one wife identifies a married man whose marriage is in keeping with God's law. Sober-minded means a man who is not impulsive, but he's thoughtful. Good mental control, a good sense of pause, not influenced by human agendas, immediate emotions, or impulses, nor inclined to take sides. Self-controlled. If a man is group-controlled, or wife-controlled, or friend-controlled, or political party-controlled, that doesn't lend itself to spiritual leadership. Respectable simply means worthy of respect, a man who can be trusted. Hospitable means ready to respond to the needs of others. Now, let me explain. It is certainly all right for an elder to have people in his home socially or take people out for dinner or coffee or donuts. That's all right. It can serve a purpose. But this is not so much social hospitality here. The first century culture didn't do social hospitality like we do. This is the response of a man's heart to the needs of others. Hospitality. Able to teach means he can take the word of God in hand, study it, digest it, and present it to others. The same expression is used in the qualifications of an evangelist over in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 being able to teach. It doesn't specify a certain level of talent or give a comparative scale. It is about the ability to teach, to learn and to impart to others the instruction God has given in his word. Not a drunkard is a further description of the idea of being sober-minded. Drunkenness is condemned in, uh, condemned in Scripture as a sin. We all know that. Obviously, a drunkard is not qualified for spiritual leadership. In fact, any drunkard, male or female, is in trouble with God. Now, guard against getting off track here. This is not giving permission to drink just short of drunkenness. Whatever conclusion you draw about the use of alcohol, never assume permission in a phrase that is prohibitive. Whatever conclusion you draw about the use of alcohol, never assume permission from a phrase that is prohibitive. If the Bible says, and it does in 1 Peter 4, don't become involved in excessive fornication, that doesn't mean that a little fornication is all right. We must never assume permission in a phrase that is prohibitive. But it is certain we want men who are sober. We don't want a man leading us spiritually who is a drunkard. Not violent, but gentle. Not much commentary needed there. A man prone to violence who doesn't have in his heart and his manner the meekness and gentleness of Christ, 
is certainly not a man designed to lead us spiritually. Likewise, not quarrelsome. If a man has a strong passion for conflict, an inordinate interest in controversy for its own sake, he's not qualified, not a lover of money. None of us should be lovers of money, elders, deacons, preachers, none of us. Then it says he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Lots of folks through the years want to load into this their own specific standards and opinions and lobby for those or investigate to make certain everything suits their perceptions of family. Just looking at the verse, there is a simplicity that seems to be without controversy, a good, godly family man. That doesn't mean that his family runs exactly the way your family runs or that his function as a father perfectly and exactly matches my function. Paul didn't, didn't give us a sentence to load into it all of our specific judgments and opinions and perceptions. This is a Christian who lives as a Christian in his management of his family and his raising of children in his home. Verse 6, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. It is without dispute in recognizing men as elders, some judgment must be applied. You have phrases like this, not a recent convert. Well, if a man was baptized last year, we would call that a recent convert. But what about 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? I want to remind us that according to Acts 14, 23, elders were appointed in churches after these men had only been Christians a few years. So when we apply the teaching of 1 Timothy 3, there are certainly areas of judgment, relativity, to pray about and be careful about. But experience and maturity are the hallmarks of this passage. Well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. This doesn't mean all non-Christians must agree with him on everything. Rather, his character and reputation is not a common rumor or subject of gossip in the community. The preventive phrases here are, lest he become puffed up with conceit in verse 6 or lest he fall into disgrace in verse 7. So this is not a superman, but this is a godly man who has demonstrated through his consistent pattern of life that he is capable of this noble task. I have three more things to say before we conclude this video. This is a description of good character. Before you ever get to the specific context of spiritual leadership, no young man can ignore anything in this list. 
No Christian can ignore any of the elements of this, except we don't want women to be the husband of one wife, of course. You see what I mean? This is basic, good, spiritually valuable maturity that ought to be seen in all of us. And when we get locked into quibbles and controversy and impose our view of each detail, one thing that can happen is we miss the main thing. And the main thing here is character. And all the elements of the passage are harmonious descriptions of character, virtue, spirituality. This is a good mature man, a description of good character. These are the kinds of men we want to lead us spiritually. They're going to lead us by their use of God's word. Number two, when we focus on our expansion of the details and our responses to the more debatable parts of this, while those elements of the text can be properly attended to, be careful that you don't utterly discourage all young men. If we, in our legendary discussions, make this harder than God made it, more complicated, loaded with varieties of viewpoints, in all that complicated debate, we may discourage young men. One young man said, after hearing all the debate about opinions and passion, one thing I know for sure now is I never want to be considered as an elder. How sad that is. That in our passion to lobby to our judgments, we can discourage young men from a noble task. We ought to guard against that. Three, in our comments, we must guard against any mention of specific people or local situations. You can't let specific people in local situations interpret the text. The text <clears throat> is the text. <clears throat> and focus must be on 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. I bid you to consider carefully what we've presented. Thank you for listening.